This is The Table Business, a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. On this show, we're going to speak to the independent creators who make the games that you and I love. I'm your host and the DM of Sounds Like Adventure, Jack Trainer. Hey there, welcome back. It's episode six of The Table Business. I'm your host, Jack. How you doing? Hey, so have you ever found yourself in this situation? You got a session tonight. You want to run something for it, but your prep time, it's gotten away from you and you're not ready for it. So you get to work, get on Reddit, start looking for some free map packs, and it's just a nightmare. You don't know what you're finding. Nothing connects. You're having to wrap a story around these ideas. But hey, what you could do is you could go to like an independent creator and you could purchase like a self-contained adventure for probably like $5, ready to go immediately. And you could do that from someone like today's guest, Boss Jellybean, aka Janelle. So Janelle is a TTRPG writer, a content creator, and just all-round cool person. In today's episode, we'll discuss her most recent release, a holiday-themed campaign called The Festive Three. Janelle will share how she gets around some of the challenges involved in being a creative person, and she has a really great tip for overcoming the blank page. And last of all, Janelle will talk about an amazing Twitch campaign that she has coming up featuring the women of TTRPG threads, and some of whom will appear as guests on this very show very soon. It's all very exciting. I can't wait for you to hear about it. So let's dive in. Janelle, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's start out. I'm going to give give you an easy one to begin with. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, things that you're doing. Just break it down. Sure. Oh, gosh. I have a lot of different hats that I've been wearing lately. Um, So I, first and foremost, am a, a tabletop RPG author right now, newly published. Um, I am looking to release more books in that space. I'm also a part of an actual play uh, Twitch channel uh, called Abandoned Quest, which is just me and all of my best friends. (laughs) Um, And that's kind of what has made up the majority of my career so far. And recently I've been reaching out to other creators in the space to collaborate more and um, work on more projects and get my hands in different uh, areas in this space because I love everything about it. Um, I always like to know, like, everyone's origin story because it's like, you know, it's like a world of stories, basically. So take me back to the beginning, set the scene, what was the day like, everything. How did it all begin for you? A million years ago in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Um actually with a lot of the same people who are in the Abandoned Quest uh, channel with me. We were playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons 3.5e, I believe was my first game. Um, (laughs) We had a great time, except for in the middle of it, I had to get up and go to the restroom. And when I came back, my friends were trying to sell my character to a troll. (laughs) to get access into a castle. So that was that was my first <laughs> dealings with it. Um, I still had a great time, though. Um, Sorry, can we do that? Let's pump the brakes for a second. Did, were they successful? Did they did they sell your character to the troll? What, what happened? No, I came back and I yelled at everyone. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's my first game. You're getting rid of me already? Like, no. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, you know, we all went kind of in different directions for a while. And uh, like around 2017, um, our friend JJ, who once again, also in Abandoned Quest, um, reached out and was like, we all have not hung out in a while. We're going to play Dungeons and Dragons online. Um, and so we got into this campaign. It lasted for like a year and a half. It was super intense and more serious. Like the first time I played, we were all joking and, you know, it, it wasn't very serious. But like this one, like we really got into it. Um, and I just fell in love with it. And then from there, we end up starting Abandoned Quest, which um, our other friend Donnie uh, ran Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Um, and that was so fun. And that was my first like dive into the lore of Faerun. After that, I got to DM my first game, which was Descent into Avernus. And I absolutely loved being a DM. Like I, I enjoy being a player, but I, I really am passionate about uh, being a dungeon master. I just love creating intricate worlds and then throwing these characters in the middle of it and seeing the butterfly effect that happens, you know? So let's talk a little bit about those books then. Um, you mentioned that you're a TTRPG author. So how do you make the choice where you go, okay, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to I'm going to get this material and let other people play it. I, for a long time, was trying to be just a fantasy author for a little bit. And I had a lot of issues finishing books. Like I probably have 20 books that I've started and just never finished over the years. And I realized... It was so much easier for me to finish campaigns. And I think that's because I get bored doing one thing consistently. When you're writing a book, you're writing. There's nothing else to it. You are writing. When you're building a campaign, it's you get bored with the writing, you jump to the illustration, you get bored with the illustration. Specifically for, you know, um, running games online, I, you know, I run to the making the overlays or the graphic design or the logo. So there's so many different things to do. It keeps me much more um, engaged. One of the books that I've been working on for a while that honestly is probably going to be the one that is the last to get published um, is called Poxy's Teeth Emporium. And it is based on my first Dungeons and Dragons character, uh, Poxy, who in our campaign um, got a, a deck of many things. She, she was like a little chaos gremlin. Um, but by the end of it, I had this idea to, for her to have this interdimensional traveling store. She also collected teeth, like I said, little chaos gremlin. Um, and eventually I had that character like kind of form into an artificer that sells magic items made from teeth uh, to, to players. And I put her in every single campaign that I DM'd. And that was actually the first idea I ever had for a book of, well, why don't I turn Poxy's Teeth Emporium into a book? And I really want that book to eventually not just be for Dungeons and Dragons. I want it to be for every single tabletop role-playing game so that it's really interdimensional to the point where she can be in anything. And then um, recently, the one that I, my first published uh, book is The Fest of Three. And a lot of that came from a love of, you know, Faerun lore I haven't actually finished Baldur's Gate 3, but I know that uh, the dead three are heavily involved in it. 
And I just got this idea instead of the dead three, they're the festive three. And I, you know, made these holiday incarnations of uh, Santa Bane and Krampus Ball. And then I didn't want to leave out uh, Judaism because that's my heritage. (laughs) So I also made Miracle's Dreidel (laughs) and I turned it into like a a horror, like a holiday horror. And it's a fun adventure and I'm very proud of it. And uh, it ended up doing, I didn't think anyone was going to buy it. I thought I was going to publish this thing. No one was going to look at it or anything. And it, it pleasantly, surprisingly blew up a little bit and I'm really proud of it. So my friend Sam, uh, who's also a member of Abandoned Quest, edited the the whole thing for me for free. Like she just was uh, really there for me when I was when I was writing the Festive Three and uh, guided me through like the whole the whole process really and helped me make it more professional and uh, was definitely a large contributor to to the success of it for sure. No, this sounds really, really cool. Um, so you mentioned that you're investigating, you, you're sort of experimenting with a few collaborations and things like that at the moment. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of that work? What's what's going on there? Recently, uh, you know, the Threads app <laughs> kind of became a thing. Uh, and I've been finding a lot of new friends in, in the TTRPG space on there. And um, there was like this little trend going around where it was just a women supporting women. And I got the idea of maybe I should do a campaign and stream it that's all women and and non-binary people. Because I've never really seen that. You know, this field is kind of dominated by men a little bit. And um, I think that there needs to be more representation of everybody else in it. And I just um, so I reached out to people and was like, hey, would anyone be interested in this? Um, And actually, the first people to contact me uh, was a streamer by the name of Authentic Young. And her and her group of of women, um, they are like uh, star citizen streamers on Twitch um, that recently got into Baldur's Gate 3. And most of them have only played like one or two games of Dungeons and Dragons. But with, you know, Baldur's Gate 3 kind of brought a lot of people who haven't been big into D&D, into the space. Um, and they were like, would you DM a game for us? And I was like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and so we came up with the idea that we were going to stream that on Twitch. And then from my original post of asking people in this space um, if they were interested, I got so many more people that I had another group. And then I kind of had the idea of, well, I've never had this many people engaged in a campaign what if we split them into two adventuring parties acting in the same campaign, able to influence each other's games? Um, and then my two like favorite places in uh, Dungeons & Dragons lore are the Feywild and the Shadowfell, which are natural opposites. They both mirror the material plane. And it just seemed like a good fit for one group to start in the Feywild, one group to start in uh, the Shadowfell. And uh, yeah, they're going to be working against the same big, bad, evil guy. Uh, And they're going to be facing the same problem and trying to work it from two different angles. They will have a way to communicate, even though they are not like playing on the same day. But I don't want to give any spoilers for that. Um, And yeah, it's going to be a really interesting Dungeons and Dragons experiment of, of seeing if these two groups can work together, if I can manage a campaign with two adventuring parties. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Oh, I realized I didn't 
say the name. It's called Fey Dark Eclipse. Um, and that's going to be on the Boss Jellybean uh, Twitch channel, which is like my personal channel. Very, very cool. Such an ambitious idea. I think we'll have to get you back um, after it's after it's all happened to to hear how it went. Because yeah, I, as a as a DM, I, I I would very selfishly just like to pick your brain and hear how it went and uh, give something like that a, a try myself at some stage in in my home games because that sounds just very very cool. Right? Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, and I do want to touch on abandoned quest. Where are you up to at the moment? If someone wants to jump on, they haven't listened to anything, where should they they get started? Uh, so Abandoned Quest started as a podcast, which is our Waterdeep Dragon Heist uh, game. And we didn't end up finishing the podcast, but we got pretty far into it, um, scheduling conflicts. And uh, But I would start there because you sort of listen to us learn Dungeons and Dragons a little bit um, and really like come into our own on the podcast. And then... After that, I would head over to our Twitch channel, which is where we are every Tuesday night. But we have a couple campaigns that are running on there. We have a Curse of Strahd campaign that has been running for two and a half years now. That is, we're finally getting to the, are we about to go up against Strahd moment, which is going to be very fun. So that is uh, probably our biggest campaign right now. And then actually last night, we just had our session one of a game that I'm DMing called Morning Canaan's Inferno, The Path to Nessus. And that is a campaign that I wrote based on Dante's Inferno because there are a lot of similarities between Dante's Inferno and the Nine Hells. I mean, they clearly were looking at it when they were writing it. A lot of the places are the same names. (laughs) Uh, A lot of the people have the same names. And so in Dante's Inferno, you know, you have Virgil and you have Dante. And in our game of Morning Canaan's Inferno, you have Volo Thamkader <laughs> and you have Renair uh, Neverember. And it's like the same dynamic. And I'm really excited for that to play out. And I actually think that when I'm done with uh, this campaign, which is probably going to be a shorter campaign, like nine to 10 sessions, because I want to sort of quickly go through like each layer, you know, give it its due time. Each would get like a session, but we're not going to extended out for like years or anything um but after that i think i'm gonna like kind of assess what worked what didn't work and then also probably publish that one because that's just a fun i gotta make the inferno into a book right (laughs) so (laughs) that's yeah a really cool idea so let's talk a little bit um about some of the challenges involved in being like an independent creator in the the tabletop world um there's this concept in this book I read, I'm blanking on the title of it at the moment, it talks about the resistance involved in creative projects. And what I find the biggest form of resistance for so many creatives that I speak to, me personally, I feel it as well, is just the resistance in terms of just doing the thing. And I find that's like such a common thread for creatives, that that process of being like stuck in the ideation phase and not able to actually put anything down on the on, on on the page how do you overcome that challenge that is so relatable um I I had that for so long where it was I would have these ideas I would I would daydream about them I would sit I would listen to music I would think about them but I wouldn't actually do it um and the thing that helped me change that pattern the most voice to text <laughs> where I could talk about it out loud and then it would write things down for me um and that was kind of when I'm starting a project and I'm having those daydreams about it, that's what I will do now. 
because once I have any kind of like I am much better at editing when I'm typing. Right. Um, So if I do the text and I write a lot of it that way, I can go in and make it sound a lot better. Like that's easy. But it's like that initial like kick in the butt to like start it. That is so hard. And that just little innovation um, really helped me a lot. Like kick that habit. It's sort of like people talk a lot about like the fear of the blank page and it's like you're you're finding a way to beat the blank page by doing that. You're putting something down before ever having to type anything. It's, that's very clever. Thank you. <laughs> so I always like to end these conversations with a couple of recurring questions. Um, so the first one, what's one thing that people don't realise about independent tabletop creators like yourself? I think a lot of people don't understand the hours that go into this. <laughs> um, I mean, I, this is all I do. I wake up at 8 a.m. I drive my son to school. I am at my computer until like 10, <laughs> 10 at night. Uh, like I'm doing this all the time because like I said, there's so many different things to do. Um, and I have this specific problem of throwing myself into too many projects at once. Uh, so, you know, there's there's all this time going into it and it's not, I just started making a little bit of money from it. Like the time ratio to like the effort put into the amount of money that you get does not make any sense, but I love what I do. So, you know, that's that's what you're trading. And then you just hope that people out there like your stuff and eventually, you know, that that it does well. Um, I also think that people don't realize how much it means when someone says that they like your work. Like it makes my day. Like one comment will will completely make my day. Like I look at every single thing that people comment under my work and it means the world to me when just one per like one person likes it, you know? Um it's it's so validating. Um and it's really nice that I'm helping bring joy to other people's games and like that other people are sharing my stories is such like a heartwarming feeling. So it just means a lot, you know? Extremely well put. Um second one. Um, you touched on this already. I think the character's name was Poxy. Can you tell me about your first ever character? Sure. Um, like I said, Poxy was a little chaos gremlin. Um, she originally was a moon druid. Um, she eventually became an artificer uh, later in later iterations. Um, but <laughs> she had a pet skunk named Snickerdoodle. Um and uh, she was a little, little drow girl who had the urchin background because, like I said, first D&D character. <laughs> um, and uh, she was kind of like this little dirty, scruffy drow uh, who preferred animals to people. And a really funny story that I have uh, is that uh, our DM, JJ, got us into a situation where my skunk had been kidnapped. <laughs> It was like being sacrificed on an altar um, and the skunk got killed. A demon was released and I pulled a card from the deck of many things and first summon a devil. But then I pulled another card and I got the wish spell. And so I wished for my my skunk to be back and to get rid of this demon that was summoned. But it kind of worked backwards and they became a brown bear. So I got to have this brown bear following her the rest of the campaign that thought it was a skunk. 
was like extremely funny. And yeah, like I said, that sort of went off and got a life of its own into every single campaign uh, that I had where I would have her little shop, Poxy's Teeth Emporium, and I would have my players go in and they could trade the the teeth of creatures that they killed and she would craft it into magic items for them. And uh, everyone seemed to really enjoy that. And yeah. And uh, last recurring question here. Uh, when you look back at your time spent around the table, uh, do you have a favorite story, a favorite memory? It could be funny, just something, a good friend moment, anything like that? Well, I feel like a lot of people <laughs> have this story, but it's a very big point of pride for me. In our Waterdeep game, this this episode never aired because technically we we recorded um, almost 15 to 20 episodes that just never made it on because we never like edited them. But we were surrounded by mind flares. Uh, our barbarian of the party had been his mind had been overtaken. He was against us, which was a big problem because it was there were four of us. We had a, a, a grave cleric. We had me, uh, who was play- I was playing Blitz Eviana Sets, who is a dragonborn rogue. And then we we had uh, Misra, who was the ranger. And so all of us are squishy. <laughs> and, and our barbarian had been, had been mind controlled. We were all like dropping like flies. I'm uh, like, I'm down to like maybe five or six hit points. I look at Donnie. I'm like, Donnie, how have we been carrying all of our items? It's never really been discussed. It was like our, you know, our first major Dungeons and Dragons game. And and we hadn't really gone over. I'm like, do we have bags of holding? He was like, yeah, I guess so. I was like, okay, great. I have this item called the Haversack, which is also an interdimensional space. And so I take my Haversack. I put it into the bag of holding. I make a portal to the astral plane and I chuck it (laughs) at the mind flare. I hold on to uh, like a, a a a pole in the ground that's like solidly in the ground, and Donnie's like, "I will allow you to do this, but you have to make a strength saving throw to not get pulled into the astral plane." And I roll a nat twenty oh. to, to not get pulled into the astral plane. The mind flare gets taken away, and our barbarian goes back to normal because the mind flare is gone. Like it was the best moment. I was. So happy (laughs) because I I think that that's like one of those things that everyone wants to do once is put a bag of holding in another bag of holding um, and have it work successfully. Like it was just. And to just roll a nat 20 on such a pivotal check as well. I think that's such a like a D&D like bucket list moment to to pull that off. What was the reaction at the table when you got that, when that 20 showed up? Uh, I think it was cheering from my party members and utter shock from my dm <laughs> just absolute <laughs> dumbfounded shock <laughs> uh but yeah that was a really good one so to close things up now we have a dnd quick fire round for you so i'm going to hit you with some of the most divisive dnd questions going at the moment um and i want to get your answers on them so rules are for this uh you've got to answer with the first thing that comes to mind and try and keep your answers to one sentence are you ready? Sure, I'm nervous, but sure. <laughs> so in your games, what happens when a player gets a nat 20 on an ability check? Oh, I, I honor nat 20s. Instant success, no matter what? Yeah. Pull the moon from the sky, you got that 20, that moon's coming down. Well, I mean, they have to be doing a spell that would allow that. Like, I, I will allow some crazy things. I do generally do rule of cool, but it has to be a little reasonable. 
I'll allow a Darth Vader moment where you hold the, the spaceship. <laughs> and then what happens when they roll a nat one when they're in combat? Uh, in combat, they're going to, they're if they're attacking and they're rolling a nat one, that's not just a miss. You're probably going to take some damage or be put in a vulnerable situation. You Maybe you're knocked prone. Maybe you're just, um, something happens to your weapon, but there's going to be a consequence from a nat one. And how are you deciding that consequence? Is it like crit fail tables? You're just situational, making it up on the fly? Generally situational. I, I tend to, like, I am someone who over preps my games, but I also do a lot of um, ad-libbing and, and just on the fly decisions based on what feels right in the moment, so can't relate to over prep at all it's not like i have 20 pages for every session uh anyway uh so uh should it, this one's massive on reddit at the moment and everyone has a different opinion that i hear about it so should the enemies that players fight should they have defined health totals or should the dm just sort of vibe it out and decide that the enemy dies when the player the party seems like they're not having fun anymore oh i they normally have a definitive total for me i will allow my players if they make an amazing move to do more damage maybe than they would have normally but i leave it up to the dice and and i generally stick with their health totals because you want it to be stat to be challenging if there's a lull in combat it's not normally because the the bad guy's health is too high it's normally because um there's too many bad guys with like spread out initiatives or, you know, there's other ways to make a fight interesting with terrain, with um, uh, lair actions. You know, there's ways to make it more interesting without compromising your bad guy's health, I think. True or false? Railroading is fine to do. False. I like to have open worlds. <laughs> open worlds, great. Uh, true or false? A DMPC is always a bad idea. False. I, th I think if the party is missing something, I always want my players to focus on building a character that they love, not a party composition. And so sometimes that involves making a DM NPC, PC, whatever you want to call it, um, to round that out, like maybe give them a healer if they don't have one or something like that. You know, I, I think that that's actually important, giving them an arcane person to go to. Um, in Critical Role, they have Alora who they go to, right? When they need like some high level arcane things. Um, I think that's perfectly fine to do. Your personal preference now, uh, combat RP or puzzles? I think the moments that impact me most happen with role play. Like it's when there's a very emotional moment that's unexpected that happens that really, those are the moments that are closer to my heart. But I think in a, in a game, I want a good variety of everything. I don't want to focus on one. In person or online games? in person but i never get to do it <laughs> um like i said my my group were all spread out across the country um but we do this thing once a year uh we didn't well we actually didn't do it this year but the last couple years we've done this thing that we call gen con where everybody comes and stays at my house and we play D, &D for like three days straight but that's really the only time i get to play it in person because Otherwise, they're too far from me. <laughs> uh, and for those in-person sessions, what's your preferred D&D uh, &D session snack? Oh, my preferred snack? Cheese and crackers. Nice. Keep it simple. <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> and finally, the most difficult question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. Lock it in. That's not a difficult question. That's obvious. <laughs> So thank you very much for joining us today. So if anyone wants to find out more about you and wants to follow along with what you're what you're up to, how can they do that? So you can follow me on Instagram or threads at Boss Jellybean. 
Um, also, my channel on Twitch is same name, Boss Jellybean. And um, you guys can also find me on the Abandoned Quest Twitch channel every Tuesday. And then um, I did want to do a quick little shout out to all the players who are going to be in the upcoming Fey Dark Eclipse uh, campaign. So we got 10 wonderful people. <laughs> it's a, lo- a lot. Though. Take it away. So the first group are our team Fey Wild, which are the uh, Star Citizen and Baldur's Gate 3 streamers, our Authentic Young, Kitty Ate Cupcake, Normandy, Ali Swinger, and Lucretia. And then our team Shadowfell, which is our established TTRPG creators, are uh, Rachel, the organized DM. She has an Etsy store for uh, DMs, like stationery and terrain and things like that. H from Rolling Dirty 5E, a TTRPG writer who has resources for DMs on Patreon. Mariah and Alejandra from Table Talk RPG Podcast. And Kate from Cardboard Combat, which is a Twitch channel about Magic the Gathering. So I'm so excited to work with all of them. Super exciting. Quite a number of people you just mentioned will be appearing on this show very soon as well. Oh, that's Um, great. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, really looking forward to that. Thank you so much for joining us on the show uh, today, Janelle. It's It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to The Table Business a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. If you'd like to know more about anything we spoke about today, all the links for all the people that we spoke to are available in the show notes. Or head over to soundslike underscore pod on Instagram and we'll definitely be talking about them there. And if you liked what you heard, why not check out Sounds Like Adventure? That's our main show. It's an actual play podcast with fun role play, short run times and great sound design. But to make sure you don't miss the next episode of The Table Business, make sure you subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And a five-star review really, really helps to get a few more people to see the show. And we here at Sounds Like Adventure, we would be so grateful if you took the time to do that. All right, with all that in mind, we'll catch you for the next episode of The Table Business.